0: Welcome to the Left of Straight Show, where we talk entertainment, music, books, foodies, and more each week with special guest interviews of interest to the LGBTQ community and our straight allies. Direct from the entertainment capital of Northeast Ohio. Northeast Ohio. Your host, Scott Fullerton, chats with some of your favorite entertainers, celebrities, newsmakers, and behind-the-scenes people across the country and around the world who make it all happen. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's start talking.
1: Back to the Left of Straight podcast, as always, I'm your host Scott Fullerton. It's time for another great interview. Today we have a very special guest joining us, the talented and multifaceted Greg Cope White. Greg has been on the show before and is a great friend through social media. Has so much going on lately. Uh, he's, we got to catch up on stuff. He's memoir, of The Pink Marine, which was recently inspired on series titled The Core. And as a foodie, Greg and I have talked a lot about that in the past. His Eat Greg Eat blog was amazing. It's been almost exactly three years since I had him on the show. May 7, 2020 to be exact. Everything is old as new again. You were getting ready to see your partner in Montreal, which I think you're taking a trip very soon here. You were making a vegetable garden in Santa Monica and we bonded over cucumbers and all the great ways to prepare them. So let's go ahead and jump right back into it.
2: Welcome to the show, Mr. Greg Cope White. Greg, how we doing, sir? I'm good, Scott. Thanks for having me again. It's it's uh, it bodes well to be a repeat guest, I think. I love having
1: you. We had such a great conversation before. As I told you, I like to look up our old interviews, and uh, I can't believe it's exactly three years. that I took two years off for the pandemic. I mean, it was. May 7th, we were only about six weeks into the pandemic when you and I talked, so we had no idea how long everything was going to be shut down at the time, right?
2: What a crazy time. It was wild.
1: Well, I, I want to catch up. I mean... Um, I'm going to go ahead and link your previous interview before so you don't have to talk too much about it. But you had a crazy, I mean, mom had you moving all over the place. I think it was like 13, 11 places in 13 years. Talk about growing up. What kind of a kid were you again? And how do you think that shaped you to who you are
2: today? Well, that's a good, that's a lot of questions. That's a good, um, a good start. You're right. I went to 13 schools in 11 years. We moved Mm -hmm. around so much. I'm talking to her from new orleans right now where i lived for several years and now i come back every year for mardi gras and as you know i'm back for another reason and the um uh it it's hard always being the new kid there's no question It's you always have a learning curve you have to figure out every new school and every new organization and just the vibe everywhere and that's hard when you're in, you know, third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade. I was pretty good at it by the time I got to 10th grade, where I went to three schools in a little, in uh, one year.
1: So wow. That was my that's record. That's crazy. I, I've considered myself a vagabond after I turned 18, but I had a pretty steady life before that. I've lived in five different states now and all over the place, but uh, I, I had a pretty easy growing up, I guess.
2: Do you still have friends from your childhood that you're in touch with now? And you have a- I
1: do. I have a few left. I grew up in West Covina, California, which you've driven through, I'm sure, many times, living out in Southern California there. So I grew up there, and then I lived in Huntington Beach and Monterey and then Oregon and New York and here in Ohio, where I say I've been banished for the past 20 years or so. But yeah, you got to keep in touch with friends. I mean, and we're going to get into it later, but your best friend is uh, still your best friend Friend. You're pretty good about that, since when you finally got that core group of people, right?
2: Yeah, I'm really lucky because back then, you know, we we met in the in the ninth grade and only went to school that that one year because I moved away after that, and there was no social media. As a matter of fact, when you when you moved, you didn't even always get a uh, a new forwarding phone number, so it was really tough to keep in touch with people back then, back in the olden days. So I'm very lucky to still have that one one best friend. We uh both live in California now. We as you know enlisted in the um, Marine Corps together and uh we are as we are closer than ever after I think this this will be our 50th year.
1: That's amazing. We're going to show some pictures um throughout the the broadcast here of uh, you and your friend and kind of being on set that we're going to talk about in a bit, because we have this fantastic We Last time you are here, we talked about your book. I mean, this book has been seven plus years in the making, right? Um, going on, going on a while. And now it's, uh, you talked about back then, it's going to be a movie or series or something like that. So it's got to be kind of nice full circle moment, right?
2: It is. We've been working on this for a long time. You know, we, we, I have a great team. Uh, the book was optioned early on and, and by Rachel Davidson and she she never gave up. We shopped it around uh, lightly and uh, then Norman Lear jumped on board and because he is who he is, that, that definitely got us in the rooms that we needed to be in. Um, he's been a fantastic friend and a mentor all these years. He was my first, uh, my first TV writing gig was with Norman. So it's good to still be working for him after 30 years.
1: I bet. And I told you off air that I, I thought I was talking to Norman Lear with, the the glasses and the hat there.
2: Well, I, I, I should let you know that I, I have shaved my head, which is a huge, uh, sacrifice for me, uh, because you normally see me with a lot of hair. Right. So I, uh, we're we're here in New Orleans shooting the the TV version of my book the adaptation and in solidarity with the cast I shaved my head so I am back to boot camp once again
1: That is amazing I love that well, We're going to go all into the book and the series again in a second but I want to start with We Bonded Over Foodies Back in the Day and the thing that um was but, I mean, you had your great food blog, Greggy Greg, and of course you work with the Food Network on projects. But the thing that I found so fascinating and so sweet when we talked last time is you had a standing date with your partner in Montreal where you guys had Zoom cooking lessons. Does that still happen?
2: Do you have time for that? We do every single day for 15 years whenever we're apart, which sometimes unfortunately can be, if I'm in production, it can be a couple of months. If I, When I was writing the book, it was even longer. So, and then pandemic uh the border was closed, so we were apart from February of 2020 until August of 2021, and just in order to to well because we we love each other and we want to spend as much time as we can every day when my work day ends, which I try to end it as quickly as possible, uh uh we go on Skype and we cook dinner together so and then we I hang out for a time we go to bed.
1: That's amazing. I absolutely love that. And you are in New Orleans, a food town right now. Are you going crazy with that? Do you kind of, having lived there, are you taking the cast around or your producers and stuff to some of your favorite haunts? Or what were you really looking forward to spending some time there?
2: You know, I have been taking them around to a lot of places, but there's also so many new places. After Katrina, you know, the the almost half the population went away. So the people that have come back are people that really, want to be here and the the one thing that new orleans has always had is this sense of community i think that's probably why i returned to it you know dale and i my best friend we come back every year from mardi gras uh for the bacchus crew and bacchus parade so we come back and we all we have a limited time so we have a few restaurants that we have to hit just that are precious to our soul mothers for breakfast we have to go there and Dale and I are, we're the only people in our family that gets up and, and goes, cause you have to be there in line to get the the black ham. And when they're out of black ham, it, it, they could run out of black ham at seven in the morning. So you have to get there. They've been roasting these hams all night and the charred edges on the outside are the, is the first to go. So you wanna get there and get their fluffy biscuits and that black ham and, and you wanna do it before there's a line. It's a lot, if, you, if people know uh, Pink's hot dogs in LA, with the famously long line, it's that same situation. So you get there at seven, 7.30 in the morning and you try to get in there early. That place, we always have to go to Commander's Palace. It just, it means a lot, means a lot because as a kid, that was some place that I never thought I'd be able to go. I didn't have that kind of, I was a little kid, but I dreamed of going there. Mark Twain ate there and, you know, I just, so, that was a really romanticized place in my head. So as adults, we were able to go back and we go back every year. I've been back this trip and we were just here in a month ago for Mardi Gras, so we were there. And you know that sort of a thing. And yes, you are in the quarter, you will eat beignets. They're, they're, it's a good idea any time of day, you could have just had lunch. And if there's no line at Cafe Du Mans, you slide in and get some of those beignets and then that, that cafe au lait. And you know, other than that, we do try to add a new restaurant and, and discover something that that we love. And so there's there's now that we're here with the production, um there's more opportunity to to go to more places. I I go to I'm meeting someone for lunch in a bit and then at a at a new restaurant that I haven't been to, and then I Tried something new yesterday. There's a huge Vietnamese population here now. This was one of the big repatriation centers for Vietnamese refugees in the 70s, right after the war. Uh, a Vietnamese family owns Cafe Du Mono. so they're they're bringing their food influences here. So whether it's um, you know just a simple spring roll or their famous banh mi, it's uh, it's just really great to taste that really authentic uh, Vietnamese food.
1: Oh, I bet that sounds great. Like I said, I have not, New Orleans is one of the few places I haven't been, but I know of most of those places. And it's it's funny when you talk about how it changes, especially after Katrina, because that's my one favorite thing and least favorite thing about New York City is you can find the best restaurant in the world. And it'll be gone two years later when you go back on your next trip, <laughs> because it just, it's so expensive there and things move and uh, it's 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 kind of exciting to find new places but you also lose some of your favorites a little quicker than you want to. Sometimes
2: it's a hard business to be in. Let's face it. And and the one thing about New Orleans is that if if a restaurant isn't any good, it will be shut down on its you know by the public in just a couple of years. So if there's restaurants here, you know you can eat at Maspero's and Dookie Chase and and uh, Cafe Du All those places that have been open forever. Mothers, I think, has been open since 1928. I I had breakfast at Camellia Grill the other day. I used to ride the streetcar and get off at Riverbend and eat at Camellia Grill before school in the morning. My school was across the street. And then uh, I I went back with Dale just uh, a few weeks ago, and it's just fabulous. You sit at the counter, and the waiter doesn't write your order down. He yells it at the chef and the line cook there, and they have abbreviations for everything. So you want to order a a pecan waffle just to hear him say Nutty waff." and and it's just they have their own little shorthand in that ordering so you know there's there's uh there's a lot of tradition here and i would be heartbroken if uh some of those places closed down just out of the out of necessity because business was bad but the um if you if you're looking for some place to eat and you see it's been open for just a few years or a few hundred years you can guarantee you're gonna have a good meal there
1: right well, if you guys are still in production, I can get there this summer. You'll have to take me to a couple of your favorite haunts there. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to the foodie journey there along with everything else.
2: Oh, you'll, you'll just – you will never go hungry in New
1: Orleans. <laughs> We're going to start easing our way into the book and the production here. But talk about – I mean – when you first did the book and we talked about it a couple of years ago, your big turning point in taking control of it was when after you had a heart attack. Talk about how your health is now and how everything's going and how that kind of pivotal moment turned into t- really taking control of this ride from here on out, right?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I had been a, a screenwriter and a television writer for years, uh, decades before I wrote my book. And I... I uh had an unpleasant publishing experience. I didn't like my publisher. The publisher was, was uh, turned out to be a really bad guy. And I didn't know that, my agent didn't know it. Uh, a few people, a few other authors knew it and I didn't hear um, from them until a little bit later. We didn't know each other, but uh, well-known authors that had gone with this publisher. So I I did have to make that decision. I I treated it like any Marine mission and I canceled that contract, it wasn't easy. I did have a heart attack uh, that, that did, um, for lack of a better phrase, make canceling that publishing contract a little simpler. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm fine; my health is wonderful. I just out of out of an abundance of caution, I, I have a stress test every year, and um, I'm in you know close touch with wonderful physicians that 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 provide great care. And I am uh, I am here for today, at least.
1: I love it. I just got diagnosed with AFib about six weeks ago and so i i find it doesn't correct itself i have to go get that shock to get it back but uh i've been pretty lucky so far and as far as health goes
2: well yeah if you have to cardiovert that that shock to get it back in you know you can but you can also have an ablation i i developed afib and had an ablation it's a really simple procedure you're you're pretty conscious and they go in and just uh, uh neutralize those electrical areas that are causing us to go out of rhythm um, it's obnoxious that AFib, you know? So yes, I, uh, I nipped that one in the bud too. Thank you, you, Eric go. Bush, Dr. Bush in LA.
1: Very nice. Very cool. All right. Well, let's start getting into it. I want to start with the book first. Again, like I said, you can read a lot about it. I don't know if you down below or listen to a lot about it, but, um, we talk about this book being your journey, but I remember you saying at the time, this is really a love letter to your fellow marines, and it was about a lot of experience and not just yours right
2: yeah, you know you're you're in this um in this environment for thirteen weeks with the same people you don't interact with a lot of other people, so the relationships that you're building um which I talked about in the book the not just the best friend that I went in with but the 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 drill instructor that changed my life you know i never thought that i would be um looking for the meaning of my life or the the my real my place in the world in the u.s military but i did and as you know from from how i even got in it is a funny story it's it's um we we go into that in the show as well so It's an opportunity that I never thought was going to be available. I never thought that was an avenue, but wow, did it change my life.
1: Fantastic. And as you said, Norm Lear has been in your life forever. He actually wrote the foreword to this book, and now he's executive producing this series. Um, Talk about the tone that you guys talked about, because it does have some very funny moments. It has some very uh, heartfelt moments in it. What kind of tone are you bringing into the series overall? How would you describe the series?
2: we're being really honest we're 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 giving the world an accurate depiction of boot camp which is probably the the number one comment i have in my book reviews the number one in common comment is the the frank and honest portrayal of boot camp i i am sure that any of my fellow marines have the same visceral memories that i do the ability to to call up your first day your second day your third day every single day every minute it's an intense melting pot of every walk of life person uh everybody you know you get in there and they tell you there's no more black white brown yellow everybody's green you're either light green dark green or in the between green.
0: <laughs>
2: so it's, it's a, it's an opportunity for everyone. There's there, if you can physically pass and mentally pass, then you are on the same equal footing as everyone, but everyone comes in for a different reason. And that's what I discovered in the book. I knew why I came in and I knew the burden that I carried the secret of being gay in the military that at the time that was illegal. I was aware of that, but I also became aware of my fellow recruits and and what they were going through, and you know we bonded, and it, it's um, it's a an amazing thing when you uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to do it, but I wish everyone in the world could experience camaraderie, and it is a it is a true thing. I didn't play team sports growing up uh, not because I couldn't. I don't I don't have any talent in that area. <laughs> but uh but i I really loved that spirit of camaraderie when you 're marching and all seventy boots are hitting the ground at the same time. you don't just hear it on the ground, you feel it in your chest.
1: I remember my younger brother, middle brother. Um, was he had a lot of issues as we all did growing up and he went into the devil pops for a eight week thing over the summer and it made a remarkable difference in his whole attitude and outlook. I mean, just for that short a time, um, it really
2: gives you perspective, right? It does. And you don't have to, I didn't have to ascribe to every single principle that they're, but they're teaching, but to, to serve my country and to, Become aware of of the importance of serving my country. That I am forever grateful for the Marine Corps for that. I don't know that my patriotism ever would have been awoken if I hadn't have served. I mean, I, I I've always been a, a, a loyal citizen, but it's it just means more to to understand what you're doing and and the sacrifice that we're all making for our country. It's it's a it's good to have something bigger than ourselves,
1: right. And you came out to Dale, your best friend, when you were 13, and so you guys have gone into this together. What is something you might have learned about him you didn't know when you first got there? And what is something he might have learned about you that he didn't know when you guys got there?
2: You'll see in the book, I didn't know that he couldn't float. And that was painful And the, the, because I'd never seen him fail at anything and he's going to kill me for bringing this up because he's he would like to forget that but the man sinks some of us and and i it was the one thing I was really great at and so that was a big surprise to see something for the first time in our life that he didn't totally excel at dale is a winner he wins everything he won everything before boot camp he won everything during boot camp except for the swimming and he's won everything later um he is uh, just just the finest person I know next to my boyfriend and Norman. Um,
1: and what, <laughs> did, a few good people. what did he maybe learn about you that he didn't expect through the experience of boot camp or start, starting out in the service?
2: That I don't give up. He was shocked after we'd be running or marching or doing just the most heinous thing. And he would just get the biggest kick out of looking over and seeing me doing this stuff you know
1: that's amazing and talk about um i want to start getting into the series the series is just blown up everywhere i remember when you did the book you're you between your partner and your marketing skills you guys had betty white and you had armin shimmerman and all these people help promote your book Talk about the experience between having to promote a project early on and the love and support you're feeling now.
2: I'm sure all my fellow authors that might be listening, you know, you, you are a one man band. Uh, It's really hard to get traction on a book. And, you know, I'm, I was an old writer with the new book. I, I, again, I just had, I just had uh, television shows and movies to my name before that, which I'm thrilled to have that career. My goodness. It's, it's, uh, I'm, I've worked my ass off. I literally I can't stand up because I have no ass. The ass is just <laughs> and I I I am known for being tireless. I I <laughs> I didn't even let a heart attack stop me. I am gonna go through. And I and as other authors will attest, and you've probably spoken to them, we are a one-man band and it takes a lot of uh self-promotion, and that gets really tiring. My my friends get tired of it, my followers get tired of it. It's, 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 it's hard. However, we, I did believe in my story. I believed in my story from the beginning. I, I, the reactions that I'd gotten for years before I wrote the book, just from sharing the stories with people. I mean, I've been dining out on some of these stories for years. Norman had encouraged me to write it for a long time. And then when I met my boyfriend, I started telling him the stories again, this is 15 years ago. And, he really is the reason that the book is out. Cause he said, you have got to stop telling me these stories <laughs> I'm down. I'm just one person. So I I did. That's why I started the blog. I wasn't ready to write the book yet. I didn't know how to write a book. I, I don't have an education, so I don't even know how to write screenplays. I don't know how that keeps happening, but um, the, the producers I work for are probably thinking that same thing too. But the, <laughs> the, um, I taught myself and in order to stretch my muscle, we may have talked about this before, but the whole reason that I started the blog was to learn long form narrative. And so I I got lucky and I was having a lot of fun. I'd only written scripts before, so I just knew that that format, I love that format. But I started the blog, I wrote these short stories. It's not live right now just because it isn't, but I um, got really lucky and, and as you know, uh, Huffington post picked it up and that gave me a wider audience and then food network found it. And, uh, I did a pilot for them and hosted some things for them and they're still friends and they're wonderful. The, the, um, the lessons that I learned from that really was how to trust my voice. And that's, you know, important for a writer. I'd been writing again, for television shows and movies, as a staff writer, you're writing other people's voices and you're matching that. So, it was really fun to just close myself off for about a year and write this book and tell these stories in my most authentic voice you know the marine corps gave me a lot they gave me the comfort to come out as a gay man while i was in service it was illegal so i had to lock it up when i was on the base and then off base i was just um you know <laughs>
1: I love that authors are some of my favorite people. I love having them on the show I love having you on the show. And this is actually going to be part of authors week. I have four authors uh, interviews this week. So I'm very excited about that because I'm a voracious reader myself. And like you said, there's so much hard work that goes into it. So
2: there is, That's you awesome. know, two of my, fa- I don't know if you're talking to them, but two of my favorite authors are married, Jim Colucci and Frank DeCaro.
1: Hmm exactly right no i'm not having frank i'm not having a gym on this week of course golden girls fame i uh, i just had an interview with stan zimmerman who's a writer for televisions you know of course and
2: you friend of mine
1: his book is coming out his uh golden girls his his from Golden to Gilmore Girls' book should be coming out soon. But I'm trying to do a good mix. I have you, which I'm excited about. Yours, which is semi-autobiographical and turning into a screenplay. I have Byron Lane with his Big Gay Wedding, which is fiction. I'm excited
2: fiction. about that book. It's, it's, he's getting the best reviews. What a great
1: it's amazing. Guy. I got a sneak peek, and I'm very excited for that. I'm having a horror writer come on. And I'm having um, uh, Kyle Turner, who wrote... Um, uh, an essay on a hundred of the best LGBTQ films over the last hundred years. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun Authors' Week. I'm looking forward to it. And well, thanks for
2: mixing me in with that group.
1: Oh well, it's you're amazing to have on. All right, let's go ahead and. Oh, the only other thing I want to say is when I was going through our old thing. We talked about Christopher Gorham and you guys being such good friends and you and Bill Alvisham were supposed to introduce me and you haven't yet. So I'm going to get back to you guys on that. That's all there is. To okay. Me.
2: Okay. No, I, Chris and I just did a show right before I came to New Orleans. We did a show uh, together where movie stars read from authors books.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for you, Greg. Like I said, the book is called the pink Marine. We have a working title of the core right now for the series, Um, let everyone know where they can uh, find the books and where they can find you on social media if they want to follow along on this journey.
2: You know, the books are sold everywhere, but I love uh, if you go to my website and see everything there because my boyfriend designed my book cover. I I talk about like he is as amazing as he sounds, so I can't oversell him. But uh, he also designed my website. That's not even what he does. He doesn't even design book covers. He just figures it out. So he he has built an incredibly beautiful website. I'm so proud for it to be as nice as it is, but built by him during this time when I'm having so much traffic. And it's uh, so if you go there, he's built a really pretty site, and there's links to everywhere. You know, from uh, I think Bookshop.org is a great place to go. A little more independent. There's about it's usually about a dollar cheaper than Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, I narrate the audiobook. So there's always that option. And um just there's a place if you have questions for me, feel free to email me. I do answer direct messages usually. I use Instagram most, uh, and that's my name, Greg Cope White One, because somebody else took Greg Cope <laughs> White, but I'm easily found and on Twitter I meet Greg Eat. I have a Facebook page. So I, I enjoy talking to people and I'm I'm loving not just from the journey along the way of my, the book and my book tour, but all the people that reach out and have similar stories and people that just are going through something that they had to overcome. I love that, um, that we all get to share those stories with each other.
1: Well, I'm so excited for you. Continued success on this project. I hope that it goes many years, but I hope you have time to squeeze in a Christmas movie because you know I love a good Christmas movie. So <laughs> that can be yeah, down the line.
2: <laughs> those are those are really fun to do. I've done a bunch of them, but i i uh I do yeah i could always do another one of those you never know I'm just uh, i i I hope to never stop working. Norman is a hundred and he is our executive producer. If I can have a tenth of his career, I will be more than happy.
1: There you go well Greg Cope White, the Pink Marine is the book, the cores is the series. thank you so much for coming back on the left of straight show.
2: Scott, thanks for your conversation. You really uh, ask interesting questions, and I appreciate just how interested you are in things. I appreciate that.
1: I love it. Well, like I said, I'll try to get down there while you're there. Stay on the line for me. We're going to have five questions with Greg, too. Check for that next week, next Tuesday, when we do our five-question section. You're listening to Left to Straight Show right here in the Left to Straight Radio Network. Have a great day, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. All righty, guys, welcome back to another five questions with right here on the Left of Straight show. Today, I am honored to have a television writer, producer, Mr. Greg White Cope. He has a fantastic new series based on his book, The Pink Marine. Greg, how are we doing, sir?
2: Uh, After that introduction,
1: how could I be anything but great? Come on. I'm excited to have you back on the show. If you missed our interview last week, check the link below. We had a great conversation all about this book. We got to talk about our love of foodies a bit, but we're going to play little five questions. Are you ready, my friend? Hit me. All right. Question number one. As a foodie, what's the most unusual or unexpected meal you've ever had, and where did you try it at?
2: I, the story's in the book. I was 15 and my best friend Dale and I were at his grandmother's farm and we thought we would try hunting. So we took a walk in her woods nearby the house and got, got, um, uh, lucky, I suppose is the word. And we bagged a squirrel. What we didn't know when we got back to the house with our little furry trophy was Th- to learn from his grandmother that on that farm they eat what they kill Ooh. so for dinner that night i ate a fully dressed fried squirrel
1: that is unique you win the prize on that that's a little too uh, beverly hillbillies for me but it probably was delicious i'll let you go all right uh, question number two uh, Norman Lear has become such a great friend to you over the years. He wrote the foreword to the book, The Pink Marine. He's an executive producer on this new series. If you had a chance to have lunch with three of Norman Lear's characters and things he's created, who would you like to have lunch with?
2: Mary Harmon. Maud, and Dick Van Dyke's character in cold turkey.
1: I like it. Nice. Very, very cool. Okay. Um, This book, The Pink Marine, is based on your stint as a Marine. You spent six years there learned so much. As a Marine, what are the three best habits you think you picked up there and how do they still go into your daily life?
2: I don't need an alarm clock to wake up because once you've had drill instructors bang you awake on a daily basis with garbage can lids, you're good. A Marine's idea of late is five minutes early. So I am notoriously punctual and there is nothing I won't attempt.
1: I love that. Very, very cool. Okay. Question number four, sir. What is your go-to karaoke song or what would it be if you don't happen to go right now and why? Why?
2: Wow, that is a great way to stump me because I don't (laughs) sing. But I would say, let's just pretend I could sing. I just don't think anybody's ever accomplished the vocal gymnastics of Freddie Mercury. So give me um, anything from the anthems to whatever. But uh, yeah, God, who wouldn't want to perform and sing like Freddie Mercury?
1: Good choice. Well said on that one. All right. Last question for you, Greg. If you could travel back in time to any historical event, what would you choose to witness firsthand and why?
2: I'd be happy having dinner with my grandparents.
1: Mm. That's sweet. I love that. And you got to see how sweet Greg is by having his nightly dinner dates with his uh, partner, too. Check the interview for that. Greg White, you made it through five questions. Thank you so much, my friend. Let everyone know where they can find your fantastic website.
2: ThePinkMarine.com
1: Very good. Guys, we'll be back with another five questions next week. You're listening to The Leftist Straight Show right here in the Leftist Straight Radio Network. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, Greg.
2: Thanks, Scott.
0: Thanks for listening to The Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com, for contests and other news and information. See you next week.